you're in sales long enough, it is going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, when you hit a sales slump. And sometimes you end up desperate and your buyer knows it. So what do you do and how do you get out of it? Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's a fantastic day. I'm coming to you live from the mobile How to Sell Show studios. I am 25 miles south of Sacramento. On my left, there's a pear orchard. On the right, there is a slough. So with that being said, you may hear some birds chirping. I do have to pause sometimes when cars or boats pass by. But today, I've wanted to do this episode for a while. And this episode is all about desperation and sales. Desperation and sales. In one of the greatest comedy movies ever made, Super Troopers, Chief Grady says, desperation's a stinky cologne. And I really want you to think about that and let that set in. Even though that movie is a comedy, there is some genius in that line. If you're desperate in sales, you will say and do things that you wouldn't do if you had a pipeline. And desperation usually happens in a couple of different ways. One, you get behind on money. I mean, it could be a various bunch of different things. You hit a sales slump, you switch jobs, uh, problems in the industry, problems in the economy, you know, uh, you lose a big client. There are legitimate reasons why things go sideways in sales. And even if, even if you have a pipeline, Sometimes there's points where you're like, man, I don't, I'm not going to get paid on this deal for 90 days. Or uh, I, I, I owe money. You know, this is a real problem. And sometimes salespeople have substance issues. They have gambling addictions. They got family. They've got buying addictions and spending addictions. And realistically, it can happen to anyone. right? I've had my own struggles in my life. I've had my own problems in my life. I've you know, had issues with uh, getting paid. I've had issues with falling down and not making sales. I've, I've had my struggles. So please understand when I say, hey, look, desperation is a stinky clone. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying I haven't been through any of this in my life. I've been through some serious issues. You know, I think back of a, a really bad breakup that I went through 2008, 2009 in a relationship that was long-term, uh, it set me for a tailspin. Like, bad. Really bad. And I wasn't closing deals. I lost a lot of my income. I lost a lot of my money because things were, think emotionally, I just, I didn't know how to deal. So, when I say desperation happens, it, it happens to every salesperson for different reasons, various reasons that I've already outlined. And desperation is a very tough place to sell from because it's tough to get your mind right. It's tough to be like, hey, look, everything's going to be okay. Because in desperation, you're not thinking logically. You're thinking emotionally. You're thinking like, I can't do this. I won't do this. I can't make it happen. So there's definitely some stinking thinking, stinking thinking going on whenever you're desperate 
And, you know, I, I love that term. It comes from Zig Ziglar. Good old Zig Ziglar. You know, stinking thinking. So you do have to clear your mind. I want to give you some insights from me doing ride-alongs with salespeople that may benefit you when we talk about clearing your mind. It's not uncommon for me to be hired from a company to go ride with salespeople in a couple of different industries or go watch them present. And I found a correlation that if a salesperson was going on their way to a call or a call was coming to see them, a client was coming to see them, and they said, man, I hope they don't say I want to think about it. I can tell you with pretty much darn certainty that if they said that, that was the objection they were going to get because that was the thought going through their head when they were presenting. And since that was the dominant thought going through their head, that's what they talked around. That's what they danced around. So that's the dance the buyer gave back to them. So I call this the stay puffed marshmallow rule in sales. <laughs> Whatever you think for the objection is going to happen. So I borrowed that from, uh, from, from Ghostbusters. Today just happens to be the conversation about movies because earlier we talked about Super Troopers and now we get to have the conversation about Ghostbusters. So you really do have to pay attention to what you're thinking before you go into a sales presentation. This is powerful. Like if you tell yourself, hey, I'm gonna do everything I can to run this call the right way, to meet with the buyer the right way, and I'm gonna do everything I can to get them engaged, and I'm going to ask for the business, and they're gonna say yes, okay? You can just command your mind that that's what you're gonna do. Does it mean you're gonna close every deal? No, but like you're not going into that deal with negative belief of I'm gonna get an objection, I'm gonna have a problem, I'm gonna have an issue. You really do have to clear your mind. So every time that I meet with a client or before I, I call somebody who may be a client, I clear my mind. I have a whole routine that I go through and it, it's this, this, this simple. I say, game time. And I take my right hand and I make a fist and I snap my fingers. Game time, game time, game time, three times. Because it just reminds me to let go of everything. You may have your own way of doing it. I'm just sharing you what mine is. You know, uh, I really fell in the love, fell in love with the book from Oren Cloth Pitch Anything. I got an advanced copy of it before it came out. I got a galley copy, as they refer to it as. And uh, I was able to check out that book. And one of the things that Oren really did a good job pointing out early on in the world of sales was supplicant behavior, needy behavior. And desperation is the ultimate form of neediness. And so one of the things that, that Oren talked about in pitch anything is beta traps. Like when you go to an office and they make you sit down and and uh, here is some old magazines that just happen to be eight years old for Motor Trend or whatever it is that forces you to be supplicant. So like you have to pay attention to what's going on. So like, you know, I can think of calls where I have an appointment. I am always on time. So like if you say, hey, Scott, we're going to do a call. Great. And I say 12 o'clock Pacific time, I'm on that call at 12 o'clock Pacific. If I say eight o'clock in the morning, Hawaiian standard time, I'm on that call. And if somebody is more than three minutes late to an appointment with me, I'll reschedule it. I, I will reschedule it because it's like, wait a minute, we had a standing appointment. You know, you didn't contact me and tell me what was going on. You know, there, there are different things that happen. I had a guy that I was working with and his wife had some medical conditions. So... He, he was like, hey, I'm sorry I missed the appointment. I mean, that's an acceptable reason. But if somebody was like, hey, I'm busy, I was busy. I'm like, hey, I was busy too. 
so you know we can get you back on the calendar it's not easy to get on my calendar I don't leave it open I got stuff going on I've got things that I do and so part of desperation comes down to protecting your time how are you looking at your time what are you doing with it like if somebody calls and says hey I need you to drop everything that you're doing right now and come out here and give me a sales presentation uh no nope 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 because like if if you could get a hold of me too quickly I'm too needy. I'm too desperate. But if it takes a little bit of work to get on my calendar, hey, that's that's a different story. So this is just a different perspective. You know, if you're going to get on my calendar, if you called me today, today happens to be a Sunday, one of my favorite days to record podcasts out here at the slough, because there's not a ton of cars coming through here. If you call me today on a Sunday or email me today on a Sunday, I'm not getting back until you till Monday morning. Just just my perspective, my belief. You you can choose whatever way that you're going to do it. And if you say, hey, I want to get on your calendar, I'm usually booked out at least 7 to 10 days. If it's a referral, I might go sooner. If it's something that I see has a little bit more potential, maybe, maybe you might get uh, an appointment on Thursday or Friday. But like desperation is going to lead your brain to go, I need to do this right now. And People know in business, like, hey, they expect you to be busy. There's people who contact me and say, hey, I want you to come train my team. You know, what does your calendar look like? Well, you know, as of today, I've got four trips to Oahu planned in the next five months. So if, if you know, you're like, hey, I need to have it happen on this date. I'm sorry, I've already got my calendar booked out. You know, sometimes people will say, hey, I'll pay you extra if you can make this happen. And like, you know what? Cash happens to be my favorite four-letter word. I'll look at my calendar and I will make something happen. I remember that in the space of a week, I was in three different time zones. I flew to a couple of different spots. So maybe not time zones, but different locations. I was in Denver, I was in Las Vegas, and I was in Hawaii. So in, in like a week, because I had people who said, hey, I'm, I'm committed to train. So it's not a hard and fast rule, but what I'm getting at is like, look, if you come across as desperate and need to make that appointment, then you're going to have some issues. So you might, you might tell them, Hey, look, I've got things going on in order for me to drop my plans in order for me to put a rush on what's going on. Here's what's going to have to happen. Here's what we're going to have to do. So somebody calls me and says, Hey Scott, I really want you to come train. I'm like, I can't do it that weekend. I'm going to be on Oahu. Like, even if, even if like, in this situation, even if money was tight, even if I was struggling, I would say, I've got my trip to Oahu planned. What do you want to do? Um, I've had people come back and go, well, what's it going to cost for me to have you push that, that, that vacation or that trip out? Well, you better have an answer for that. So you have your own version of Oahu. I have my Hawaii version. You have your version. Take it for whatever it is. So like, I don't believe that it's my job to wait for people. Don't get me wrong. I will give service. I will help. I will deliver everything that's supposed to be there. But like, hey, I'll wait here right here for you. That comes across as very needed. That's a long way. It took me about a minute and a half, two minutes to get that out. That's a long way of saying I'll be right, right here waiting for you. Needy, 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 needy behavior in my mind, okay, is when I ride with salespeople and they say this phrase, I cringe, I cringe, I want to earn your business. I want to earn your business, right? And to me, in my mind, when I hear that, I hear like, let's get the discounting ready. Let's, let's do this. And you may have a different belief and you may have a different opinion. And in your mind, 
You may have a phrase that drives you up the wall, but when I hear a salesperson say this, I go, man, why, why don't you show through demonstration why you're professional and why that person should be doing business with you instead of going, I want to earn your business, right? To me, that means I am going to chase you. That to me, that means I am going to overwork, I'm going to overperform, and then you are going to tell me I want a discount. Begging for the sale. I, I typically ride with salespeople who are struggling. That is what people will hire me, companies will bring me on for, is like, hey, Scott, my, my, my closer is struggling. I need to get this guy or this girl back on track. So that's like a one-to-one thing for me. So I have been with people who've been through tough things in their life. I'm... I'm I am raising my hand once again. I've been through this uh, a bunch of times, where you know, I I needed deals and I was desperate. It, this isn't wasn't a one and done for me, and I I have done this. I have begged for sales when I shouldn't have, but I have ridden with salespeople who've done this too, and it comes across very unnerving in a sales presentation. It is very weird to sit and watch in a co-pilot seat where someone's begging for a sale. And it's very eye-opening to how buyers react. You can have good energy in a sales presentation, and the second that you start begging, it's like, whoa, it's night and day. I've heard salespeople go, hey, I need to be candid with you. I really need this sale, which is like a diet version of begging for the sale. Uh, Just like, oh my goodness. I thought back when the first time I heard that, I go, have I ever... Have I ever said that to a buyer? In 2001, when I first got started, I did. I did because I sucked as a salesperson. I was horrible. I was like the 10th worst salesperson on the planet. I have this thing in sales called a walk and talk. So in the industries that I work a lot in, in in-home sales, there's times where buyers don't want to sit at a table and they don't want to give a presentation. Like they don't present to me. So I do did a thing called a walk and talk. And a walk and talk means... I would take them to a part of their house. Hey, let's go look at this window. And then I would give part of the presentation at the window. Hey, let's go look at this furnace. And I'd give part of the presentation at the furnace. And I would remember what part of the presentation I was in. And I just wouldn't give them the presentation at the table that they they didn't want. But I would give them the presentation away from the table. But a walk and talk has to be done right. You can't do a walk and talk to somebody's back. So I can think back of a sales guy that I rode with. And it was for in-home sales. And the buyer was really like, I'm in dominant and I'm in control. And you're not going to be here for 60 to 90 minutes, which is a typical thing to have happen in in in-home sales. You're going to be here for 30 and you're going to give me a price. And it put put the salesperson in a really desperate spot because he needed to close some deals. That's why I was riding with him. And he tried to do a walk-in talk, but his walk-in talk was he was walking and talking to the guy's back. That's not what I mean. There is a point where you're no longer supplicant, but you're arrogant. And I'm not saying not to not be flexible. Like you may be listening to like, hey man, you know, Scott, he sounds like he could be a jerk. You know, I early on had my moments. I got thrown out of so many sales calls. I got thrown out of so many sales calls because I didn't have anybody to work with me. Back, you, you're lucky. Now we got podcasts, we've got YouTube videos. You know, there was not a ton of content for salespeople in 2000 when I got started. Don't get me wrong. There was books. There was Brian Tracy. There was uh, Zig Ziglar. There was Tommy Hopkins. Uh, Right about 2000s is when spin selling came out. But I hadn't calibrated and I sucked. I was horrible. 
And I came across as arrogant. I got thrown out of more calls than I could count. There was one time where, <laughs> there was one time where I was at a call and it was on my birthday and I was pissed because I really wanted to be in Hawaii. So I want to say it was my, my 30th or my 31st birthday. And I go to this guy's house and he was not somebody that I wanted to deal with. The call wasn't going very well. And I was selling heating and air. And I remember I'm throwing up my hand and saying I sucked. And so he said, hey, do you happen to have a business card? And I saw I give him my business card. And he kind of snapped at me and said, you know, here's the thing. I would never do business with you. I would never do business with you. And like, I'll go, okay. Uh, uh, you know, in my mind, I'll play your silly game. So I grabbed my business card out of his hand and I ripped it up and I threw it on his driveway. I got a complaint that day that was before Yelp and review sites. And I did get in trouble for that. And that was about the sign where I said, hey, I really need professional help. And that's where I went out and I got it. Constant discounting. Constant discounting. Discounting is a struggle for people who are struggling and are desperate. In whatever sales you're in, whatever industry you're in, there is a set amount of commission that you should be making. So let me give you an example. In 2012, 2013, my little brother wanted to get into in-home sales. So I met with him every morning, I wanna say for three or four months. And we trained from six in the morning till seven in the morning. And one of the things that I taught him early on was I said, hey, look, the average guy in in-home sales in the area that we're in makes about seven and a half percent commission. So my challenge for you is to keep your commissions consistently about eight, eight and a half or nine. Cause that will tell you how you're doing because at the end of the day, if you can increase your commissions, you're getting paid better for the work that you're doing. And that's how you can tell if you're doing well. If you're struggling and you're looking at your commission checks and you're like, well, you know, I had to do a bunch of discounting to make sales. You can pinpoint where your struggles are. So for you, you may say, hey, Scott, what, what do I do if I am struggling? Okay, here is my list. Here is like my break in case of emergency list, okay? Laugh. You need some humor in your life. You really do. You need some laughing. So uh, I recommend going to YouTube and picking the people that you like. You know, who knows? Dave Attell, Dave Chappelle, uh, little Jimmy Norton. I mean, I could name off a ton of comedians. Eddie Izzard. Uh, I, I, I mean, I've got my list of people that I would go to. Um, I just named off a few people that I could remember off the top of my head. But, you know, I, I tend to like comedy. At one point, I wanted to really do stand-up comedy. That's the direction I wanted to go with my life. Like, hey, let's do some stand-up. That was, that was the thing that I, that I wanted to do. Jimmy Carr. I mean, there's a ton of comedians that you could take a look at. There is a ton of old content out there that's funny. So before you go on a sales call, five to ten minutes of something funny. Whatever you find funny, whatever your version of funny, Bill Burr, I mean, I don't care who it is. Name the person, watch the comedy, get some laughs in, get pumped up. Everybody's got their own version of getting pumped up. Mine, like if I'm in one of those moods where I, I'm, I'm feeling down or I'm feeling sad, I will go to metal. I will go to like Pantera, I'll go to some white zombie, maybe some old, old Metallica, you know, pre-black album and uh, Black Sabbath. I, I will do something that's got like just some something in there in the background. I might go with some 80s gangster rap, like, you know, some old school NWA, uh, but like maybe some old Ice Cube. But you got to do something to get pumped up. And remember, motion creates emotion. And so how you sit before you go in your presentation matters. Are you sitting up straight? Are you slumped over? Where's your chin? So like teaching body language, one of the things that I learned early on is 
Where your chin is matters. If it's all the way down at your chest, that could be a sign of depression. If it's too high up in the air, that could be arrogance. You know, check your chin, see where you're at. You know, I, I, I love the book from Chris Voss where he talks about uh, Never Split the Difference, the book from Chris Voss, right? And he has a saying, vision drives decision, vision drives decision. So like, what is the vision that you're painting for the person that you're meeting with? Are you speeding through your presentation? Because if you're speeding through your presentation, it's gonna be very tough to paint the, paint the picture for what they need to say. Last on this list, discounting. I am not a big fan of discounting anything at all. Just not, because I feel like it takes away from whatever the, the presentation was that you built up. But I, if I had or have to do a discount, it's a sliding scale. And it goes like this. Let's say it's a $10,000 job that I'm going to sell. Well, uh, I don't like round numbers and I don't like even numbers. So in a lot of the industries that I work in, sales guys have a 10% play. So on a $10,000 job, if they discount 10%, they still get paid 10%. And I'm just giving you some standard numbers to make this really easy. So... I, in the beginning of my career, would discount all of that money up front, and then I had nothing left to work with because it'd start eating into my commissions. And then I figured out, figured out, hey, wait a minute. If I can protect my numbers, I can keep my commission count up, and I don't look so desperate, okay? So I would do something along the lines of this. I would discount in stages, and my first discount would be 3.25%. My next discount would be like 1.1%. And then the discount after that would be 0.66. So when you add all of those up, you're right at about a 5% discount, but the buyer had to fight for it. And there's times when you feel out of control and you're sitting down with a buyer and you are desperate and you need to make the sale. And you have your version of $10,000 that your sale price is and your version of a $1,000 discount before it hits your commission and you will go full boat. You will give all of that money away only to get to the end and have the person go, well, I don't know if I'm really necessarily interested and you have nothing left. You're out, you're out of moves. You're out of, of money that you can get, give away before it starts hitting your commission. So once again, not a big fan of discounting, but if you're going to do it, do it in stages and remind yourself, what's, what's the standard discount? What's the standard process that you use in your industry? And how can you tier it so the person's like, man, I had to fight for 6.66%, but you don't, here's the trick, you don't tell them your percentage, okay? Never tell them the percentage. You give them the money discount. So like in my instance, on a $10,000 uh, sale, it would be 3.25%, that would be $325. And then 1.1% of 9,000, 675 bucks is like $96 and people will be like, Hey, that's cheap. But like the sliding scale of a discount proves that you don't have money in it. If you go a thousand dollars right off the top and that's not a promo and that's your discount, it, it like it can signal to the buyer that you have too much money built in. Okay. So the opposite of this the opposite of this is when you build money into a job to take out, and I've seen salespeople struggle with this, where they, they, they build up a price because they know that they're going to discount <clears throat> and know that this is illegal in some places. So like if, if this is you, be very careful if you do this. And I'm not giving you legal advice because I'm not an attorney. Uh, I sat for the LSAT, but I never went to law school, okay? Just so you know. 
McGeorge School of Law here in Sacramento, sat for the LSAT, didn't go to law school. So, salespeople sometimes will add in a bunch of money to discount, but they add in a ton of money and then discount a ton of money and the price doesn't feel real. So desperation is a stinky, stinky cologne and you do need to know that. And if you are too caught up in what's going on in your life, you know, go get some help. Go talk to a therapist, a priest, a rabbi, somebody, a friend, a neighbor, a relative, and get the things off your chest that are going on. Hey, I'll tell you, two weeks ago, I was really struggling. I had some stuff going on in my life, personal issues, you know, uh, problems that I have going on. Not very interesting to you, but I was about 100 yards from where I'm sitting right now, and there was nobody out here. It was just me sitting by a, a slough, by a, a pear orchard, talking out my problems just like I am talking about this episode. And it helped to get it off my chest so I wasn't stuck thinking about it. Desperation happens in sales because you may be in a sales slump because of personal issues, because of problems at home, because of substance issues, because of money issues. Hey, look, in sales, it happens. But how you get out of it really matters. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.